Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is both and. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, both and is something that I never really came across anywhere else but Central Lutheran and you at the church. Really? Really. At least you have put it in the forefront of my mind because it comes up again. It comes up so much that I actually took notes during the (laughs) sermon. I'm not going to say that it was necessarily what the sermon was about, but something (laughs) tripped my brain enough that Uh I'm actually taking notes during the sermon. Oh my gosh. And I use it so often that I probably don't even recognize I'm using it, don't I? Yeah, probably. So let's start with where does this come from? I don't know. (laughs) Nice. That's so so not helpful. I really wanted it to be, oh, yeah, this was the first class I took in seminary. I'm sure you did. I, it has just been a part of Lutheran theology as I learned it, I think. Probably from that idea that we are both saint and sinner. Hmm. And yeah, um, as I was beginning to learn how to articulate theology, I'm sure that this, I mean, I know that this is not unique to me. So for anyone who's out there listening, I did not come up with this. I am not brilliant. I assumed it was Lutheran theology. Absolutely. It totally is. And it's kind of just the water that we live in. It's not anything that I I don't know that there's a particular articulation or location. There might be someone who is more of a particular historical scholar than I am may be able to pinpoint where it sort of started to be part of the parlance. But for me, it has always been part of that alluring part of Lutheran theology, Mm -hmm. that instead of our theology being an either or theology, either you are saved or like either there is grace or you have to work for your salvation, we are a both and. Like there is grace and we get to do the work of God in God's world. Uh, Okay, here's a spot as I'm kind of tunneling back through my brain. Mm -hmm. I'm back in Dr. Lull's class in my Lutheran, in my Martin Luther class. And there is in his essays. His, Martin Luther or your? Martin Luther, Martin Luther's essays. So Dr. Lull did a translation of like some of the basic essays from Martin Luther. And in that book of essays, there are particular essays that really highlight this sense of both andness, that we are both like two kinds of righteousness is one of personally, probably my favorite of Luther's essays that I've read, not that I've read hundreds of them, let's be clear, but of the ones that I have really read and engaged and taken in Two Kinds of Righteousness is my favorite of his essays. And it really delves into this concept of both and. That we are both free, completely free, set free, 
don't have to worry about anything and bound to one another, held to one another and respond to one another out of great love. So, well, that was going to be part of my question, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you distill Luther down, when you distill Lutheranism down, it's always been my understanding that it's through grace alone. Mm -hmm. But this is then going that next step further of with that understanding of grace alone, you are both. And it's, it's a way to sort of get you to be more than just a lump sitting there saying I'm saved by grace. Right. Right. This is that idea of some scholars would say cheap grace, like that. Let's not make grace cheap. Mm -hmm. So to keep it from sitting and resting at that idea of we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that we need to do in order to earn this grace. The act of Christ on the cross made the difference. We are done. We are good. Then what? It, it's really the then what portion or mm-hmm. the so what portion of this justification. And it gives that opportunity for that right response. Uh, right response meaning... Not a judgment, not the kind of you will be condemned if you don't, because you have been saved by grace. You are in right relationship with God. So instead of you having to serve God's people and having to do good works and having to do these things in order to earn God's love, trust, adoration, justification, you get to serve God's people in order to make the kingdom of God a reality in this moment, in order to make it clear that all of God's people are beloved creations in this world and deserve the beauty of God's adoration right now, right here, not in some time far away, but right here, right now, in this moment, this world is meant to be God's kingdom. And so that is what we strive for. That is what we work for because the justification has already been done. And that is the beauty of Lutheran theology. I think that's why we have so much to offer to our world and what is so unique about Lutheran theology. This is why I became a Lutheran. Now I'm getting excited. (laughs) This is why I became a Lutheran, right? Like I'm a theological Lutheran. I'm not a cultural Lutheran. This is not something that my family is not Lutheran. I am the only Lutheran in my entire family of origin. And I chose it because of this kind of theology, that We are both completely broken, totally will screw it up, can't get it right, uh, bugger it up left, right, and center, and we are completely loved by God, and God is with us in every single moment and believes that we can change this world into the beautiful, incredible creation that God has intended all along. Yeah. I get real excited about this stuff, apparently. (laughs) The both and... (laughs) There is often a time I will ask you a question, and your answer is inevitably both and. (laughs) Yeah. So seriously, is this something that is more of your own personal philosophy when it comes to Lutheranism, or is it something that you hear echoed around you from other pastors and other sources? 
That's such a good question. And I don't know that I know that answer. Yeah. Because it is so intrinsic to who I am. I mean, obviously, we have now pinned down that it did actually come somewhat from seminary, from this one particular professor. Well, and from my general studies of Lutheranism and from theological study and and background, I mean, it came out of my faith. Uh Uh-huh. It came out of my understanding of the divine and my understanding of how divinity works and how Jesus works and how God works and how the Holy Spirit is present in the world. And it's definitely so much a part of how I view the world mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't know. I, I am a liminal being. I live in the midst of, I really hate binaries. <laughs> I just, I don't like living in binaries anymore. I don't like, and this is making so much sense right now in so many different ways. I'm tired of dividing us into this or that. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much damage done when we limit ourselves to the either or, when there is so much beauty in the both and. I mean, I I don't even know that I'm much of a fan of primary colors. So, you know... You want the whole spectrum, huh? I want the whole spectrum. I I love teal. Is that a primary color? No. No. It is not. I love purple. Is that a primary color? No, it is not. I just... I'm about the in-betweens. Now, given this philosophy, when somebody asks you a question and they're looking for some sort of theological answer, do you get pushback? By using both and, or is it generally more of an eye-opening acceptance? I do get pushback, and sometimes very rightfully so. Yeah. And here is something that I've been struggling with probably for the last, I don't know, three to five years, is how much does this both and theology contribute to the ways in which particularly progressive white ELCA Lutheran theology allows for injustice to continue. Mm. Because you're allowing for shades of gray in the world or all the colors of the spectrum? Yes. Because of the sometimes inability to set the clear boundary and the desire to hold that all are welcome. Mm-hmm kind of stance when in reality we should be able to find ways to say here are boundaries all are actually not welcome if you have a restraining order against someone you know if there's a restraining Mm -hmm. order that you cannot come near someone in this building you are no longer welcome here right like Mm -hmm. There are real boundaries and real safety issues. If there are reasons that you intend to do harm or to bring harm into a facility or to a people, that should cause a boundary to be set. And in constantly and consistently trying to say both and and leave that space open, we also, I also, I'll own it, I also have left room for situations and concepts 
that are harmful to others. And this is particularly, I think, a sign of my white privilege and a sign of my white feminine, like my white femme perceived privilege Mm -hmm. and how that plays into what I can and can't do in those kinds of pieces. So I, I am, I have been struggling with that mightily and wondering, okay, well, what does this mean and how does this play in our denomination? So, and I haven't come up with answers. I don't know about that because again, I still love this part of our faith and I still say God loves us no matter what at the end of our podcast, Mm -hmm. because I believe that. And there is nuance to that because I would pray, I do pray for accountability for people here on this earth for the actions that they take that harm other people. I do believe that God loves people no matter what. And upon their death, God's love and grace is large enough and redemptive enough for even people that I cannot nor will I ever agree with to redeem them. But that does not mean that if they were to walk into my home or if they were to show up on a Sunday morning, that I would need to allow them to remain in a place where they were causing harm to me or to the people that I am responsible for. And that is a new way of trying to live. And it is not a new way of trying to live for many, many people who are not as privileged as I am. They have fought and wrestled with this for far longer and have come to conclusions far earlier than I have. So yeah, are there people who want a real answer? Are there people who want me to come down on a real side? Yes, I have definitely hit that. And they have challenged me and they've challenged me appropriately. And sometimes I will push back something that doesn't matter as much, something that doesn't have as big a consequence, like, well, are you going to serve coffee or tea? (laughs) Both and. Sure. Right? We're going to serve coffee and tea. Are you going to serve gluten-free and gluten? Yep, we're going to do both. You know, we're going to find a way to do both and and do it safely. But the minute that we have someone who is celiac, or if we were to have someone who has anaphylactic shock because of nuts, I would change my both andness to take an action for their safety because their life and health is more important. And that's also a part of faithfulness. Does that all make sense? It does make sense. Okay, good. What both and initially reminded me of Mm -hmm. was the verbal gymnastics of in with and under. Oh, yes. When it it came to the serving of communion. Yeah. And for people who haven't been listening for as long, I don't know when we covered that in our podcast. It's been a good long while. So what this is about is Lutherans believe that the true presence of Christ, not that the communion changes into Jesus, but that the true presence of Jesus is in, with, and under the bread and wine. 
you can go back and find the podcast and listen to the verbal gymnastics that we get into to try and find a way to comprehend that. Uh, spoiler alert, y- y- you can't really comprehend that. <laughs> it's mystery. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is going to lead me to my last question. How much do you use this outside of church? I think all the time. I think as much as I use it in church. I'm going to be honest. I think I've started using it too. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... It solves a lot of questions very handily. It does. And we don't have to live in an either-or world. You you don't think it's just wishy-washy? No. I mean, I can understand this whole issue of, like, making a choice and standing, like, choosing a stance... Yeah, boundaries. Boundaries are such a big word these days, right? Right. Like finding a stance and standing for it when it comes to life, death, standing up for what you believe in, those kinds of things. I'm I'm there for that. And there are so many things that we in our culture place on a binary and create an either or situation that really doesn't have to be an either or. We don't have to constantly set ourselves at one spectrum side or another. We can be in the midst. There are millions of colors to be discovered when we throw things together. I don't know. I I just think the world is a rich place when we allow the vast diversity of it to flourish. And both and as a philosophy, as a way of life, as a theology, gives us that chance for it to flourish. But, well, and I am someone who adores liminal spaces, these in-between places. So I like to live in them. I'm going to be honest. There are two places where I would love to see both and be applied Mm -hmm. a little more liberally. Mm Mm-hmm. That is when it comes to the discussion around gender mm-hmm. and when it comes to the discussion around politics, because yeah. I think there is a whole rich spectrum of both that we simply are not allowing to happen. Yeah. Which is sad. And I think we're seeing more of the conversation, at least in some areas, mm-hmm. we are seeing more in the conversation around gender about breaking open that binary and allowing for gender non-confirmation, like Mm non-conforming and allowing that open at least some, which is a return to how it has been historically in our world. We really broke into the binary either or not that long ago within the historicity of human beings. And I think our politics and our country really have become so bifurcated Mm -hmm. that being able to understand a both and approach could give us opportunities. I can't imagine how right now, (laughs) like it, it, it's even difficult for me to imagine now, Mm -hmm. but maybe, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't impossible to imagine a both and scenario in politics. It's just harder right now. Yeah. Hopefully it swings back. One can pray. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about both and. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. It is always a gift to have you along for the ride. 
You can find us on iTunes and on Spotify. And, you know, we've been doing this since 2016. And one thing that we have never asked for, but apparently we probably should be, Mm -hmm. is asking you to give us a like and maybe even a review. So if you have a moment and you can do that if you listen to this podcast or if you've listened back to any of our backlog, we would really appreciate it. Help someone else find the podcast and give it a listen. If you have questions, ideas, or would like to chat with us, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.